Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Some people don't want to be noticed. Some people like Clippers center Boban Marjanovic don't have a choice. When you are seven foot three, that tends to happen whether you like it or not. So Boban decided to like it. From arm-swallowing handshakes to internet notoriety simply by holding things, Boban embraces it all with a smile. Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN's Devin Gordon as we talk about how living large can have many meetings. Now we present The Legend of Boban Marjanovic by Devin Gordon. Boban just bonked his head. It happens. Not the first time. Won't be the last. When you're seven foot three, it's a fact of life. Your head is always a collision risk. It tends to be better outdoors, but today, outside the Clippers' training facility, the parking lot is filled with four food trucks and about a dozen picnic tables, shielded from the Playa Vista sun by umbrellas that bloom almost precisely at Boban height. It's an early October afternoon, two weeks before the start of the regular season. And for 15 minutes now, Boban has been going table to table, shaking hands with Clippers' employees. Doc Rivers is right over here by the sidewalk. Jerry West, the NBA logo himself, is over there. Marcin Gortat is hitting up the Texas barbecue truck, then the beignet truck. Tobias Harris, Boban's best friend on the team, is getting a kale salad from the superfoods truck. Boban is hungry, his Serbia-sized stomach empty, and his 290-pound body depleted. Practice just ended, but he won't eat for a while. He'll still be out here two hours from now. He'll be the last one to leave. He'll help pack up the chairs. At each table, people line up to shake Boban's hand. You gotta shake his hand, one guy implores his table mate. It's a little discomforting to hear someone say it aloud like that, a little zoo-animal-y, maybe. But on the other hand, the guy is right. You really should go shake his hand. It delivers. Boban likes to cup his left hand over his right one, the one that has swallowed yours, and his palms are surprisingly soft and cool, creating an asteroid-sized cocoon with a bouncy texture of a Casper mattress. It was so nice, I wanted to crawl inside and take a nap. Boban loves shaking hands. He gets this look every time, like, I know, right? His face has so much skin that when he smiles, his cheeks crease seven times and rise to rounded peaks like Jack Nicholson's Joker. Only, Boban's smile projects whatever the opposite of menace is. When something delights him, which happens often, he'll let out a high-pitched, Woo! Like Ric Flair opening a birthday present. At one point on his lap through the parking lot, he ducks down to greet someone and catches his forehead on the canopy. Then he laughs before anyone can worry that it might not be okay to laugh. I got stuck on umbrella, he says, rubbing his forehead, all 14 of his cheeks reaching out and up, and everyone else laughs too. His accent is thick, and just four years into his American basketball career, his English remains a work in progress. I think it's actually getting worse, one Clippers employee jokes. It's not from a lack of practice. Boban is the largest social butterfly in human history. Imagine everyone you meet, everyone being delighted by the mere sight of you. 
Now imagine never getting tired of it. That's Boban. Indeed, Boban Marjanovic might well be the most popular guy in the NBA right now based on sheer approval rating. Everybody loves Boban. He has zero haters. He has melted the fickle hearts of NBA Twitter and tamed the trolls of countless NBA subreddits. He even has his own subreddit, a photo thread of Boban holding various things in his massive, perspective-warping hands. It's called Boban Holding Things. He's gone viral with a video of him doing something he and Harris called the chicken soup dance. He's gone viral for a clip of him palming the ball over Anthony Davis's head and Davis, who is 6'10", swatting at it helplessly until he realizes Boban is messing with him and he starts to laugh. He's gone viral for a photo of him standing next to Kristen Chenoweth, who, standing, reaches Boban's waist. This past summer, he co-starred with Harris in the year's best new reality series, The Bobby and Toby Show, a three-episode love letter to the NBA's oddest couple. And then there's the coup de grace, the truest sign that we're in the presence of an honest-to-goodness NBA icon, not to mention a masterstroke of stunt casting. Boban has a small role as a bad guy hitman in John Wick 3, the next installment of the action franchise, which comes out in May. Boban hits every table in the parking lot, but he never hits another umbrella with his head. And then he takes a brief detour to cheat shamelessly through a game of cornhole against Clippers assistant GM Mark Hughes. He's a breath of fresh air, I'll say that, Jerry West says. But I think the thing people don't know about him is how skilled he is. He is a really good basketball player. Finally, as the crowd starts to thin, Boban sits down with two plates of food, a slice of pizza, which is what he wants to eat, and a bowl of organic mixed greens, which he's eating because it would mean a lot to Tobias. He played good. He looked good, Boban says. Maybe they help me. Eventually, though, he puts the salad aside because his plastic fork is too small. I can't eat this fork. People keep coming up to him, and they all ask the same questions. They ask about John Wick. You watch some movies more than once many times? When you watch, I know what they say, Boban raves, which I think means he's memorized every word of the first two John Wicks. They ask if he gets to shoot anyone. I'm in movie, and this is it, Boban says with sneaky joy. I cannot say nothing else. They ask what Keanu Reeves is really like. He is very nice, Boban says. People ask about his buddy Tobias. Never heard of him, Boban says. But the thing people want to know most of all is whether Boban is going to play more this season. Is he ever going to get a real shot? Or did Boban, through some evolutionary twist of fate, miss his moment? Boban Marjanovic's life is a modern-day fable— the gentle giant with a Disney first name who, through decency and boundless charm, has become a folk hero. But his career has been considerably less storybook. He is on his third team in four years. Heading into this season, he'd started just six games. He's been a healthy scratch for nearly half his career. It's not tragedy or anything. Boban makes $7 million a year. He's got a house in Manhattan Beach. Two kids. He's fine. But in terms of basketball history and the thin line between who goes down as a legend and who winds up as a colorful footnote, yes, Boban is a tragic figure. 
The reality is that in any other era, he'd be a monster scorer, a likely all-star, and maybe even a Hall of Famer. But in this era, he has been deemed borderline unplayable. Too lumbering, too slow to chase around all these unicorns who play above the rim and hit pull-up threes. At a moment in league history when the NBA has made it more or less against the rules to guard people, it's peculiar that one of the most efficient scorers in NBA history, that's a fun fact, by the way, can't get onto the floor because of his defense. This isn't just a failure of imagination or a scene from one of those sports movies in which the pig-headed coach refuses to play the magical stud at the end of his bench. Boban was discovered by Greg Popovich and the Spurs. Stan Van Gundy signed him to a three-year deal in Detroit. Rivers and West traded for him in L.A. The best minds in basketball see his potential. But so far, he's been like a sword that no one can pull from the stone, or a killer hook that somehow doesn't fit into any song. The problem isn't so much what Boban can or can't do. It's how he does it. With the possible exception of Yao Ming, the NBA has never seen an ultra-big as skilled. He releases his jumper with the touch of a neurosurgeon. He plants himself in the low post like the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. He blocks shots into the upside down. He also simply can't chase stretch fives out to the three-point line and can't race baseline to baseline against a pace-and-space offense. He is a game-altering presence the moment he checks in. But the moment he checks in, opposing coaches go small and try to run him off the floor. If teams make their shots, and if the Clippers don't, it works. And then, sometimes, the Clippers are the ones who want to do the running. A physical presence like Boban can drive an entire offense, but he can also drag it into a ditch. But there is hope. In a span of 12 months, the Clippers shed themselves of their franchise-altering trio— First, Chris Paul, then Blake Griffin, and finally DeAndre Jordan, who left for Dallas via free agency last summer and this time did not change his mind. Everyone assumed the Clippers would crater and the clown car of old would return. Instead, they've been the surprise of the Western Conference. Boban's BFF, Harris, is a versatile 6'9 slasher who, unlike Boban, was born into the perfect era for his skills and has bloomed into a borderline all-star. Meanwhile, the thrumming tension that permeated the team, a byproduct of the hostility between Paul and Griffin, is gone. The Clippers are loose and happy now, unburdened. The team's on-the-fly rebuild has also opened up the possibility of more playing time for Boban. To replace Jordan, the Clippers traded for Gortat, 34, a serviceable big man whose wicked screen setting is his only plus skill at this point. Marjanovic, on the other hand, has shown flashes of dominance as last season wound down, pouring in 18 points in just 15 minutes in a February road game against the Nuggets and ending the season with a four-game run during which he nearly averaged a double-double. Just keep being big, Rivers tells me when I ask how Marjanovic can get onto the floor more. He lays out all the usual reasons Boban won't be clocking 35 minutes a game. Matchups, flow, foot speed, etc., but he also makes it clear that things will be different this season. We plan on using him. The next night, thousands of L.A. area basketball fans flock to the Honda Center for the chance to bear witness to a singular physical specimen as he plies his trade against the NBA's mere mortals. And 
also because LeBron James is going to be there. This preseason matchup between the Clippers and Lakers loses a considerable amount of its charge with the pregame announcement that LeBron will be in street clothes tonight. But for the deranged fans who stay until the end, Boban delivers a jolt of electricity, playing seven fourth-quarter minutes and rolling up 11 points and six rebounds. Sure, it's against the Lakers' third unit, but he's beasting it. Then comes opening night at home against the Nuggets. Even though the Clippers lose by nine, the undisputed winner of the night is Marjanovic, who scores 18 points in 18 minutes, including a dunk that is noteworthy for three reasons. One, he does it over two Nuggets. Both of them are very tall. Two, he jams the ball so hard that he bends the rim, forcing a stoppage that lasts five minutes. Three, his feet never leave the floor. As in, he dunks without jumping. In the Clippers' second game, a win over the Russell Westbrook-less Thunder, he nets 13 points in 16 minutes as L.A. pulls away in the fourth. But then he plays just 10 minutes over the next three games and gets mop-up duty in the two games after that. He's logging minutes every night, yes, but he's still last in the rotation, the guy closest to being out of it. We plan on using him. Maybe this was all Doc had meant, literal to the letter nothing more. Boban is playing, but holy crap is he playing. Through the first three weeks of the season, he shoots 76%, scoring at a per 36-minute pace topped only by Steph Curry and Kimba Walker, breaking rims and driving fans bonkers. Even the analytical revolution that has turned the NBA into a three-point shooting gallery and has turned big men like Boban into relics is starting to tilt in his favor. After all, the core inefficiency of taking twos over threes vanishes if you're making 76% of those twos. As 538's Chris Herring pointed out last spring, Boban Marjanovic is actually, on a per-minute basis, the most efficient scorer in NBA history. It's simple math, Harris says, but everybody makes it more complicated. He can be a dominant player in this league. The friendship between Boban and Tobias, Bobby and Toby, began in the same spirit as so many legendary duos, with Boban going up to Tobias and telling him, I don't like you. Boban is a man of many words, most of them joyful, but none of them minced, and in his limited experience to that point, he'd found Tobias far too cocky for his liking. And so, by way of introduction, he told him, I was kind of taken aback. Harris tells me before a game in Philadelphia the day after Halloween. Until he arrived in L.A. last winter, Harris had spent his career on the most distant margins of the NBA map, drafted by Charlotte, traded to Milwaukee, shipped to Orlando in the middle of his second season, then to Detroit in the middle of his fifth, then yet again in the middle of his seventh to Los Angeles. As a result, fans around the league are just now getting wise to how perfect he is for L.A. Bright, funny, and, in a word... Dreamy. Harris is also cocky and a born performer. In other words, he is not accustomed to people disliking him. It was a first, he says. He and Marjanovic are sitting next to each other at the baseline, lacing up sneakers and pulling knee pads into place before shoot-around. Marjanovic takes clear pride in this origin story, but he excuses himself to go shoot so that Harris can tell his side. Did you care? I ask. Did it bother you? Yeah, it definitely did bother me, Harris says. I was like, that hurt. This guy don't like me.
So how did it start to change? Harris grins and gives me a look like, come on. He only didn't like me for, like, one day. And then you just won him over with your charm? Pretty much. From a distance to the hardened cynics of the hot-take sports universe, the Bobby and Toby friendship can seem a bit too made-for-TV to take at face value. A black kid from Islip, New York, and a giant Serbian from Bolivac, a farming town of 3,332. Best friends? Really? If you spend any time at all around the Clippers, though, you'll see it for yourself. It's really cute. They're always sitting next to each other in the locker room, before shoot-around. They stretch together at the training facility. I'm his manager and his agent, Harris says. He's from a different way of life, different country, so different things are presented to him. And I'll be like, no, that dude's full of it, or that ain't the right thing. This past summer, when their real-life buddy comedy was adapted into YouTube's The Bobby and Toby Show, it was an instant hit. The second episode, in which Bobby and Toby go to a soul cycle class, but the only bike they have left for Bobby is the instructor's, and so, plot twist, he has to teach the class, and Toby is not happy about it. It's like their Pine Barrens episode. A few hours later, that night in Philly, the dam finally breaks for Boban. Joel Embiid is an unstoppable force, leaving Rivers with no option but to try putting an immovable object in his way. In 14 first-half minutes, Embiid draws three fouls on reserve big Montrez Harrell. Doc had hinted before the game that he might try Boban on Embiid if things got gory, and now, with two minutes left in the first half and Gortat in foul trouble, the wound is gushing. Boban time. Here he comes, I hear someone call up behind me. Here's Boban. Marjanovic opens the second half back on the floor and converts on three straight attempts with such nimble ease that a Sixers press guy one chair over from me asks, why doesn't he start? He's a big, bald Philly guy and deaf in one ear, so he has to turn his head to hear me shout that Boban's lateral foot speed makes it very difficult to use him against smaller lineups. Still, over seven minutes, Boban scores six points on three of four shooting and grabs four boards leading the Clippers all the way back from 22 down, the team tying the game at the 5-11 mark in the third. Behind the basket at the opposite end, the press corps buzzes, and Clippers media relations chief Chris Wallace races around with glee. See, he yelps, what I tell you? We have reached peak Bobonity. Embiid gets going again in the fourth, hitting a three the Clippers were daring him to take, and the Sixers pull away in the final two minutes. When Doc finally sits him down with a few ticks left, Boban's hair is a black mop, and his face is downcast and curled into a scowl. A day later, Doc puts him in the starting lineup. Boban is holding a phone and scrolling through Boban holding things until he stops on a picture of Boban holding a phone, which makes him do another Ric Flair, Woo! I take out my phone and take a picture of him looking at a picture of him looking at his phone so that I can post it on Boban holding things, thus completing the M.C. Escher loop. Boban holding things has been around for three years and, as of this writing, has 2,500 subscribers and 55 posts. But somehow, no one ever told Boban about it. Until now, Boban had never beheld Boban holding things. And go figure, Boban loves it.
In sports, the word freak is the highest of compliments, but historically speaking, it hasn't been such a nice thing. And no matter how well-intentioned everyone is around Boban, sometimes people treat him in ways that seem to blur the line. I've noticed myself doing it, too. Like, we're watching him through glass. Without realizing it, we make a caricature of him, the big friendly giant or the NBA oddity, and it can be hard to avoid when he's so happy to play the part. It bothers people close to Boban much more than it seems to bother him. Popovich, the closest thing America has to a conscience right now, once got pissed about it in a presser after a Spurs game in which the hometown fans chanted MVP at him while he shot free throws late on a blowout win. Sometimes it actually worries me, he said in 2015, Boban's first season. I think the crowd, they really get a kick out of him. But he's a basketball player. He's not some sort of an odd thing. And that's got to be a drag for him sometimes, right? Doesn't any of it, the stares and the comments, the bonked heads, the narrow miss that his NBA career seems destined to wind up as, ever get him down? I'll paraphrase what Boban says in reply, because it'll be easier for all of us. You should see the transcript. But what he wants me to understand is that, sure, yes, of course there have been challenges in his life. He grew up during the Bosnian War and remembers little of it besides Serbian fathers and sons being away from home and sometimes not coming back. His family didn't have a lot of money. He had no connections in the basketball world. He didn't go to AAU camps. He was not recruited by American college programs. Between 2006 and 2015, he played for eight different European teams, which meant a lot of bus rides from Vrashats to Belgrade and lots of tiny hotel rooms to fold himself into. And yes, he is aware that after toiling all those years in all those cold, gray Eastern European cities, he finally made it to the NBA two decades too late. After Doc inserted Boban into the starting lineup for three straight games, L.A. hit a run of poor matchups for him, and he caught three straight DNPs. It will always be like this. He'll put up big games here and there, have stretches where he plays 25 minutes a night, and then he'll slide back to the bench. He's got five years left in his career, maybe a few more, and the NBA will not undergo a big-man counter-revolution before he's done. He will not have Yao Ming's career. He won't even have Rick Smith's career. But just because it breaks the hearts of narrative-obsessed NBA fans doesn't mean it has to break his. And besides, look at his life. He could write a book about it. He wants to write a book about it. He wants it to be inspirational, he says, not because of what he's overcome, but because none of it matters if you're always having fun. Thanks to his itinerant career, he found a best friend in the unlikeliest of places, Detroit, and then, even more unlikely, got traded with his friend to L.A., where they've helped each other become stars. Being seven foot three has made Boban Marjanovic rich. It's enabled him to build a life around himself where, at least most of the time, all the picnic table umbrellas are just the right height, and all the things in his hands feel just the right size. Boban puts this part more neatly and eloquently, though, so this time he should just say it for himself. I love being big. Joining me now is ESPN's Devin Gordon. Devin, thank you for making the time. Thank you for having me. So first off, this is a, I love these profiles of these, like, we all read the stories of 
you know, the NBA all-star game starters and like learn a little bit more like, Oh, I already knew that. But a guy like Boban, it seems that he is sort of the like embodiment of perspective in the way that yes, the life of a professional athlete, like they don't, like they'll say it's a business, it's a grind, like it's a different city all these nights. And then maybe one day I get traded to one of those cities. But it's also one of the jobs where people, you walk in a room and people love you simply because you have that job. And then you add his size to it and the fans, uh, like that, you know, come up to him and say like, wow, isn't this great? And like, it seems that his whole perspective is no, 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 no. Isn't this great? Like not like, not necessarily him, but just like this situation he's mm-hmm. in. Yeah. He's very present guy. I mean, not to get. Two Buddhists right out of the gate, Go but right like ahead. he's he seems to be soaking up every moment. And I know that people are always saying you need to soak up every moment. Well, most of us just aren't wired that way. We can't right. like we have to work very hard to soak. Mm-hmm. And he isn't wired that way. He's just he's there for every minute. Um, and a lot of minutes. I mean, when I was spending the biggest chunk of time with him. He really was the last person to leave that that afternoon sort of barbecue food truck thing. Yeah, and it does because it does seem that you know you. Um, it's interesting way like the 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 evolution of the athlete is almost the evolution of anybody's like job where you're in the middle of it and many times you're just unless like you're the world champion. There's only one in every single sport or division, whatever. You're basking in basically failure. Yeah. And focusing on everything that surrounds that. And then later on when you're gone, you're like, oh, like I want to be the guy that like comes out. I'm the honorary captain or first pitch or whatever. And you can't wait to come back and like wave to everybody. But it seems that he's sort of playing that role now. Yes. Yes. He's very, very good at that. I wish I had that ability to, um, Enjoy, enjoy the things as they're happening rather right. than regret them after they're gone. But, you know, it's interesting the impact that that is having on the team, I, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, I think you've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. You definitely have to be wary of teams telling you how much this guy is great for chemistry and sure. we're a happy family and isn't this great. I mean, those those stories do abound. But you do get just – a a vibe in the air around the Clippers that's different. Now mm-hmm. I was there before the season. Most teams are happy during preseason. Sure. Um, but when you heard about the Clippers for years, the, the idea that there was tension in that team was just taken for granted. It mm-hmm. was not even questioned. It was part of the personality of some of the leading players on that team. And it's just not there. There's, there's just, a, a vibe of ease in the air. And I don't think that that's entirely Boban, but a mm. lot of people talk about it as being Boban being a big factor. And, you know, he arrived mid season, the season previous, and you just do get a sense that it's a very different sort of team now. And when you see like these teams, you talk about like where they do have a good chemistry and a good locker room. It's almost that several factors come into play and, you know, getting rid of the players like that, you know, they lose Jordan free agency and mm-hmm. trading off, their other assets last year, it's almost like it's a combination of you have low expectations in a rebuild combined with a guy that's going to come in and say, like, let's not sit around and feel sorry for ourselves that we're like, we might be playing to, like, draft someone who's starting at Duke or something. Mm-hmm. But 
let, like this is great and like you know everyone seems to feed off that so yeah, it's almost this is like our a, shot this yeah. is you know now we can you know get a chance to make a name for ourselves and i i i do think that there's an interesting and difficult transition that happens during the course of a season though which mm-hmm. the clippers are experiencing a little bit right now which is that a team that comes into the season with that much enthusiasm and that much chemistry has a natural advantage in november and december mm-hmm. against a league that is just like oh god you know it's going to yeah. be five months before i play a game that matters and i do think that you saw that with the clippers their their cohesiveness and energy allowed them to get out of the gate very 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 quickly and and may end up getting them into the playoffs they may be able to sort of have enough wins banked that the mm-hmm. that the slide back that they're having now you know is the the fact that they just don't have the elite talent that the other right. teams in the playoff race have in the west is starting to catch up with them and it'll be interesting test of that chemistry Tobias Harris is a free agent, mm-hmm. right? Boban's a free agent. I yeah. mean, you know, he's he's obviously not going to have an opportunity to play for that kind of contract, but that this is where that kind of energy and cohesiveness will get put to the test when it sort of runs into basketball reality just as you know, Boban is running into basketball reality as the season wears on. Sure. I mean, then winning and it is your point for the beginning of the season and the enthusiasm where like everyone's undefeated in mm-hmm. the preseason is that winning does cure everything and it did for a while. I mean, as someone who like the evolution of championship teams, like if you look at in 2004, uh, in Boston, Kurt Schilling was this wise soothsayer. Mm-hmm. But then when they weren't winning and he was saying the same stuff, they were like, <laughs> yes. you need to stop talking and go away. Yes. It's the Draymond thing, right? Yeah. Like the, the blessing is the curse, right? Mm-hmm. And it feels like every year in November, or December, or January, we hear stories about how Draymond is about to blow up the Warriors. Right. And it's really just them bored. Yeah. Um, and I think at some point that probably will blow up the Warriors, but you know, in a moment like this, the Clippers have every reason to feel good. And it doesn't mean that it won't continue. I think that they do like each other. But when you were getting into a part of the season now where that stuff just doesn't matter, right. where, you know, the fact that people are free agents, they have careers, lives that they're thinking about, you know, there are guys in the front office who are thinking about their careers and the future mm. of this franchise. You know, this is a team that told Blake Griffin that he was a Clipper for life and then traded him four months later. If there's yeah. any franchise that, that, that the players understand what a business this is and how much that matters ultimately, you know, they do. And it'll be interesting to see. Like one of the funny things about this story was as it got closer to coming out this mm. month, I started to realize that we were getting also closer to the trade deadline, which wasn't something that I was thinking about when I was reporting the story, you know, last fall and Mm -hmm. early last winter. And it started on me, you know, Boban's right there as an expiring. Yeah. (laughs) He's a, he is a decent asset. Like if the Clippers wanted to go make a huge splash for, for, you know, Anthony Davis or someone else at the deadline, Mm -hmm. it would be hard to avoid Boban. Being, being in that deal. And so I was sort of sitting there wondering if the exact same trajectory of the story was about to happen to my story. Yeah. Right. Is he a business story about to get blown up because he gets sent to New Orleans tomorrow? Right. And the thing, but that being, but going back to, but that being said with all his that he brings behind the scene, part of this story that's fascinating is also his presence on the court. Yeah. And how, 
while, you know, you talk about, you describe like almost in a benevolent Grinch kind of way, the way like his <laughs> face like comes into all these like ripples when he smiles because he's like smiling with his whole soul at so many different things. Yeah. When he's on the court, he's like, he's nobody's friend. No. Like he will bang you. Like take take him he's lightly from at Serbia. Yeah, take him lightly at your peril. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's got a little nasty in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's playful, but he loves being seven three. He loves reminding you of that, yeah. and he's a force on the court. I mean, it's that you know that's sort of one of the the the, the core energy the core themes of the story is everybody knows how dominant he can be we've we've mm-hmm. seen it on the court but we're only going to see it in limited doses he's 30 years old big guys probably don't age that well if maybe he's got five or six maybe seven years left it, it's hard to see the return of the big man coming to basketball sure. in the next five years and so this is his career this is probably mm-hmm. his career he gets dnps most nights and that's the, yeah, that's the point of what the, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is how you can almost see the way his size and his skill and his finesse. If he was 30 years old and it was 1990, like he'd probably have a shoe deal. He'd be yep. on NBA inside stuff every week. It would be, it's just amazing to see that he's sort of a beacon to how much the game has changed he'd more be, than most things. He'd be Yao, right? Exactly. He'd be bigger than Yao. Um, because, well, not bigger because Yao comes from a country where they have a billion people. Sure. But, but he, his personality is so. Well, he stays healthy, unlike Yao. Yeah, he's so much more magnetic. I mean, and Yao is pretty charismatic as guys. Once you got to know him, he was actually a pretty fun guy. Correct. Um, but Boban, you know, Boban's the one starring in, you know, with the guest role in John Wick 3. Right. right he's right. just like a charisma machine in addition to being. You know, if he had come along in 1990 or even 2000, like before the NBA became a pace and space three-point shooting league, before right. the Warriors changed everything, before all the rules changed, he could have killed in that league. Mm-hmm. And now these those guys just can't stay on the floor. Right. Is that something that in your time with him that you think that he knows? Yeah. And it's also something, though, just another chapter in the Boban book of – Oh, well. Yeah, that's what it is. It's oh, well. You know, he's obviously a competitor. He's a professional mm-hmm. athlete. He, you know, I the the day that I was at the Clippers facility, he was, you know, playing basketball, competing at that. He played cornhole because there was a cornhole game. On the, <laughs> he was pl- competing at that cheating, by the way. Um, How do you cheat in cornhole? He's just giving himself points that he didn't have. Like when people would ask. Oh, I thought you were going to say was. like he would like lean forward and just like literally drop it in. He he almost could have. <laughs> um, but you know, people would go, "What's the score? Twelve to three? He goes, uh, four. Twelve to four. He hasn't gotten any in yet. <laughs> um, and then you know he he wanted to play ping pong with me, but then we had to go. And like he loves to compete, but he's also you know he's not dumb. He's not blind. Mm-hmm. He's he knows why he's not playing. He right. knows that he's not playing. He knows that it's unlikely to change. That one of the developments in the story that within the team that that happened over the course of the story was Montrez Harrell, right? Like Montrez Harrell is could win the sixth man of the year. He's been incredible. Mm-hmm. So even though Marcin Gortat came in in the off season and 
theoretically, Boban would have an easier time taking minutes from him. I don't think that anybody counted on Montrez being mm-hmm. so good and, right. and the Clippers wanted to get him on the floor more. Sure. And so that has also, I think, kept Boban out of the lineup. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him in the offseason, right? He, he signed for three years, 21 million. Mm-hmm. He's 30. He's seven foot three. I don't think he's going to get 21 million again. No. So I think I'm sure someone will take him. Yes. The Clippers may end up keeping him. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's the most logical scenario. They know how much they love him and how good he is for the team. But it's, I think, you know, it's weird. I think this is the peak of his career right now. Yes. And he seems in, and it's also talking about what we said before about like this combination of like expectations and attitude. But he's also seems like he's sort of in the perfect place in LA where if he like walked down Venice Beach being Boban, he'd probably on a great day for him still be the 10th most interesting person on that boardwalk. <laughs> yeah. And, but the, the common theme of all those people that you would see there is, they're just so glad to embrace it and to entertain whoever. Like, here's a guy who is more than happy to be like, do you want me to hold that so we could put it up, so we could take your picture? Yeah. He's, he's, he, he loves being loved like that. You know, it's, 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 it's so fun for him. And I'm sure that there are moments when he's, fr- he's a human being. Sure. But he seems to have significantly less of them than the rest of us. And I don't know if that's just, at some point he made peace with all of it. I, I don't think so. I think you have to be born that way to have that kind of a disposition. But also the um, – you mentioned he has two children. Uh-huh. Is, is his family with him in L.A.? They live in Manhattan Beach, yeah. They, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have they – are they like Americanized enough that like they can sort of – like sort of like what Greg Popovich pointed out yeah. in like – in. Harris That's an pointed interesting out. question. You know, I, we didn't get to talk about that. He he, he did keep his kids a little bit off limits, and sure. I wanted to respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wish I'd asked that. That's a good question. That you know, there. I think that his kids are like six and eight, so they may be a little too young for that. I mean, they're certainly yeah. Americanized in the sense that you know their their awareness has been all in America. They you know he's been here for basically four or five years now. Okay. Um, but it it is it's. I would be fascinated to know what their life is yeah. like with him as a dad and seeing that in public. Um, you know, pretty quickly, they'll probably get a dose of it themselves. I have a feeling they're going to be pretty big kids. Yeah, I'm um, sure. You know, he was, when I was sitting there, he was sort of grumbling good naturedly about one of his kids wanting one of those sort of mini cars, you know, that you uh-huh. see like they're like actual, like look like actual Bro, cars. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they're small and he was like, he's like, oh my God, I was going to go get him one. And then I found out it was like $7,000. And it occurred to me that like for that price, if you're Boban's kid, you should just get him a Mazda. Like he's like that kid is probably enormous. Yeah. Why get him the mini car for $7,000? You can lease a Mazda for like 300 a month. (laughs) Just like give that kid the Mazda. It'll fit perfectly. Six years old. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it also, but the interesting thing, I, the reason I was started to ask about his circle and his family, because it seems, you know, like with like Tobias Harris and you mentioned Greg Popovich, it seems that those who meet him and have access to him, like on like the team side, not just like the public and the fans, it seems everyone's instant instinct, the common denominator is they all want to protect yeah, him. Yeah, they're protective of him. Yes, that's true. 
Yeah, yeah. And that just and it just seems that um, is that something that he sort of feels. I mean, is that empowering to him, or is it something like, "Hey, I can take care of myself," or "I know I appreciate the help." I, he appreciates it. That would be my guess. I didn't ask him that directly, but you can sort of infer that from the way he talks about about people, um, particularly Tobias, that he mm-hmm. sees him as, you know, sort of someone who who helps guide him through America, right? Um, and is showing him things, you know, and and um, and Tobias feels very protective of that i uh-huh. mean it's one of the one of the the things that that i have my fingers crossed about this this off season is that yeah. they get to stay together as friends you know it's 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 funny to think about it as a little heartbreaking that they could the natural laws of the nba almost guarantee that they will be split up sure but he does seem to cultivate that kind of feeling among people and like it's like a paternal instinct yeah that everyone just sort of like when they find this guy like i just want to no one talks to him unless you talk to me and you better not mess with him or you mess with me. Yeah. He, you know, and I, I do, I know if it was me, it's almost like there's, you could feel it as a dose of condescension. Like exactly I'm grown, right. I'm a grown man. I can, I can take care of that, take care of myself. I just don't think that he thinks that way, mm-hmm. you know, in, in much the same way as, you know, pop worries about the way people react to him. And because he's, complex and cantankerous like a normal person might be mm-hmm. he winces a little bit but i don't think boban does that when there's joy and good humor and warmth attached to it he doesn't sure. see it as people treating me like an object even even if they kind of are sure he doesn't i just don't think he feels it that way i think if there was sort of negativity in it it would bother him now going back to like the perspective that he has and you're saying like you have to be sort of born that way it also, I mean, you mentioned how he doesn't remember mm-hmm. experiencing anything about the war in Bosnia. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you don't really have to remember, like, or specifically lose a family member yeah. to live in that part of the world yeah. and not learn to appreciate even the smallest things pretty quickly. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. And the, this was interesting because I asked about it. I asked about his memories of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say he was cagey. He was very young, you know, so I don't know sure. that his memories were particularly vivid. And even what he described, I thought was pretty noteworthy and pretty accurate for you would imagine a five year old, uh, looking through a prism, looking back on it. He said, I just remembered a lot of fathers and sons going away. And sometimes you would hear about them not coming back. And that was really, the extent of his understanding. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, most of the the vast majority of the violence was across the border in Bosnia, not in Serbia, right? So this wasn't yeah. this wasn't touching his home. He was not at risk in peril mm-hmm. a, 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 as a kid, and obviously, I do think that 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 would have an impact. But 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 it's funny, you know. After he talked about that, um, a little while later, as we were wrapping up, you know, he he. he he mentioned to me that it, sometimes it's a little hard to follow exactly what sure. Boban is saying. Yeah. But what I what I took from it was that he was explaining why he was sort of avoiding the topic. He just mm-hmm. Boban doesn't like to dwell on or go into negativity. It's sure. just it's just it's just not his way. And he wanted to make clear, I think, that he wasn't I think he didn't want to make it seem like he was just brushing off a war. Exactly. You know what I mean? He's 
It's just it's just not the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. But at this, yeah, but at the same time, it's got to seep I mean, in. Got to seep in somehow. Right? It's going to seep in somehow, yeah. and also at the same time, it's you know when you hear some people like they've now become well, you know, they've done well for themselves in whatever field, and they talk about. Yes, I grew up in this atmosphere, but it was the only one I knew. Yeah. So how did I really know? I understand this part of that, but at the same time, like as he becomes more worldly and he plays for all these European teams and he meets people as he is want to do and he, he gains perspective through other people's yeah. backgrounds. That does have to, like, there's no way it can't foster yeah, his and, and it wasn't easy for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. It was. Um, you know, by his standards, by his family, there was good fortune technically mm-hmm. along the way. But still, you know, as I mentioned in the story, when you're seven foot three and you're in a Serbian professional league, you are not, you know, taking a private jet from game to game. You're, right. you're taking a bus. Right. And these are, you know, not the nicest cities you aren't you know you're not taking a bus from new york to philadelphia or from philadelphia to dc mm-hmm. these are small not so lovely eastern european cities in the winter right and you're taking a bus and that can't be fun that can't be fun even if you're bobon and you make your living with your body right but you know, maybe, maybe he would, I would love to have seen him on that bus because I'd be very surprised if he was a different person. Sure. But I know you said like based on, you know, the geography of the NBA and where he is in his age and his career, does he, in your time with him, does he think about like what's next? Meaning like, does he need the NBA to, to stay in the limelight or is like he sort of is the limelight? He sort of is, but he's having so much fun in it. And I think he's starting to grasp rather cannily that he's got a real life beyond this because of, mm-hmm. because of his personality and his charisma and his, and, and his, unfortunately his novelty. I don't know if sure. there's, you know, such a human way to put it, but right. he's savvy to it and mm-hmm. he's got people who are telling him the right ways. Like this is a big thing that he and Tobias, like Tobias considers himself his agent right. in this regard. And so, you know, he's, he's been enlightened in that regard. So I, I, I don't think that he, he's in any trouble. <laughs> so even though his NBA career may be sort of a blip in a yeah. way, it, the end, whatever the end of his career is in, in a few years, it's probably with the way he's embraced America, it's probably just the beginning. Yeah, we have not seen the last of Boban. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, even in the NBA, I suppose, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I suppose there's always the possibility, right, that he could get signed by a bad team mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily trying to win games. Sure. That, you know, just he'll put on a show. Everyone will love him. Mm-hmm. He'll be great for your team for 20, 25 minutes. Everybody will love him. He'll help with a young bunch of young players. You can play him more. Something like that could happen, right? Right? Like I could see him being having a nice career as a veteran rotation member who's around for energy and charisma and chemistry. But and then, but then, do you see? I guess my question is: the post NBA career, when it, when it eventually comes, does he? Do you see him more as? Being one of those guys that can monetize the internet by being like, because he's not as mainstream, he could be like the quirky 
YouTube channel guy. <laughs> like he's not going to like challenge Charles Barkley for a, a seat at the desk at Inside well, the no, NBA. Well, no, I don't know if his English is quite good enough to challenge Barkley for that. But do I think that you know, you know, I'm I'm being half serious here. But Boban mm-hmm. is the kind of person who. You know, you give your own spinoff franchise to his hitman character in John Wick, although I'm going to guess he doesn't survive. Like, you know, and that not many do. Yeah, not many do movie. against John Wick. And just the, <laughs> the, the tradition of in movies of bringing out the ultra big guy, yeah. you know, and then the, the hero has to look up and take a step backwards and take a deep breath knowing and come up with some strategy to beat the ultra big guy. That's going to happen. I think Boba Bruce Lee fought Kareem. Yes, exactly. The Bruce <laughs> Lee fighting Kareem, the princess bride, you know, the man in black going against Andre the Giant. It's a mm-hmm. trope of these of these movies. Boban's going to lose. I don't know how. There's a, something awesome involving a book in the trailer. Mm-hmm. He gets – Keanu Reeves does something very violent to him in, in, a, in what looks like a library. Okay. And a book, that's the only glimpse of Boban you get in the trailer, but it's got me very fired up. <laughs> well, uh, I'm excited to see what he does next because I actually think that his potential is actually going to shine a lot more off the court than on. I think so too, yeah. Well, Devin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Double Truck Stories Podcasts.